0: Here we go. We're on. We're live. Shh, 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 shh. Shh. All right. The Jesus. message is entitled "Love." love. Right. This isn't worldly love, like
1: you love, love like dinner. or you love
0: pizza. I like this. I like Angel I love Jesus. Angel said something. Uh, Angel Santana. He's a he's an usher. He said one time in our covenant couples class that Americans downplay the word love so much. You know, in, in the Spanish culture, love is. A much much more affectionate word. It is something that is. It represents. um, It represents passion. You know, it's it's a strong word, but yet we'll say, "Oh man, I love hot dogs." Or you know, how can Angel would say, "How can you love hot dogs?" Do you understand what the word love is? You like hot dogs, so you know it, it was just something that always stuck with me on the word love and how much power is behind it. But whenever you look at it in a biblical perspective you're going to see way more power than any human being can describe. It is uh, the love of God, and it's described in, in different ways, and the most uh, way that relates to us is through Jesus Christ, because he actually was here in flesh and blood, and he demonstrated it unto his death. So I'll do a small recap. Um, we talked about three points. There's Jesus and love Was the first point. Number two is he wanted us to love each other in him. And we got halfway through that. And then number three, which we haven't touched yet, the ultimate display of love. Now, the recap of the first point, Jesus and love. It talked about the life of Jesus was the clearest representation of what love manifested into action looks like. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Alright? So, right there, that should tell you something. I painted the picture a few weeks ago in relation to another message. I talked about you thinking about President Obama. And... Um, Michael Jordan and Oprah Winfrey. All right, you think about these three—Hugh, Bill Gates—huge Gates, icons according to the world. And you come home one day, and Obama—he's got a little apron on, and he's doing the dishes. And you know, Oprah, she's over there folding laundry, and, and Bill Gates is mowing the grass. You know, and it would it would kind of freak you out a little bit. You'd be like, "Whoa, what is going on here?" You know, so the world's been turned upside down. Because these are people that are rich. They have servants. These are people who do not need somebody to come. You know, they don't need to mow their own yard. They don't need to do things by themselves. They, they are above. They are higher class. They are upper class. Um, they definitely wouldn't be cutting your grass and doing your dishes and folding your laundry. Um, but that's what Jesus did in essence. He came to serve, not to be served. He left his throne in heaven and came down and put himself in subjection to humanity. To allow humanity, can't hear me, to allow humanity to crucify him, okay? He had the power to whoop up on every single Roman guard there was, okay? And not himself, because he wasn't Superman, he was a natural man, calling down angels. Got my back, take them out, you know, they're, they're, they're spitting on me, they're whipping me, they're cursing me, they're calling me names. Take care of them, please. Okay? He had the ability to do that. However, because he was doing the will of the Father, which was to what? To die. To be crucified. To offer his life a ransom so that we could be saved. So that we could be saved from what? Eternal damnation. Why? Because all sinners have their place in hell. And guess what? We are sinners. So we have to be saved from that place in hell. We have to be rescued, okay?
1: Might be
0: and guess what? You can't rescue yourself, and your brother can't rescue you. It takes a perfect sacrifice, which was and is Jesus Christ. So this was His love. This was the way He showed love. It was it was uh, serving, not being served. That's what He said in Matthew twenty twenty eight. He forgave the adulterous woman. We talked about that last week. This girl was about to be stoned to death, and he said, look, wh- whoever don't have sin, throw the first stone. Everybody left. It's just the way it is. We also talked about he was deeply moved and mourned when those whom lo- he loved were hurting at the time of Lazarus' death. The Bible says that he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved them. And the Bible says that he wept whenever they were mourning because of Lazarus, Lazarus was dead. They were lament. I mean, they were upset. You know, has anyone in here had a family member pass away? Raise your hand. Okay, so most of us understand what it means and how it feels to lose somebody. It hurts. Why does it hurt so bad? See, me, I deal with death pretty well, I think, because I have a clear understanding that, you know what, this is not life. This is a part of life. This is a part of my journey, but eternity is where my dwelling place lies. And especially if that individual had a relationship with God, I am content. But the one part I do struggle with in relation to death is natural. It's knowing in my mind I will never see that person again naturally. It just, it does something to me. It's like, man, they were just here yesterday. They were just here. You know, that's the part that does kind of grasp my heart at times. But, um... They were, they were, they were crying, man. They were lamenting. They're like, you know, I know if you were here, then he wouldn't have died, you know. And and Jesus, it, it hurt him. Okay, so he's showing the way that that he loved humanity. He loved them. They were near and dear to him. It even caused him to cry whenever they were hurting. And of course, you know, he told Lazarus to rise and so forth. So uh, there was a happy little ending to that story. He washed the feet of his disciples. Again, we're talking about Jesus and his love. We're talking about how he served. When you serve someone, it is a demonstration of that. It is a demonstration of you um, humbling yourself. It's a demonstration of you having a master. So who was Jesus' master? Were his disciples his master? No, but what he was showing them was love your neighbor and love them well. This is the new commandment that I give you, that you love one another. See, he was showing him that. He was doing the will of the Father. The Father was his master. He was doing the will of the Father. And that's why he was serving. He was showing his love. Um, so that's Jesus in love. Uh, again, recap. We talked about he wanted us to love each other and him. After telling his disciples that he was going to a place where they could not come, he wanted them to know what he expected. We talked about that last week. We talked about how the new command was given. He expected them to love one another. Uh, He told us how we could check ourselves and others in the mere words of I love God. Everybody says, oh, I love God. I love God. So many people love God, right? Matter of fact, if you do a survey, probably 90% of people you ask will say, I love God. They will. Why? Because it just sounds good. You know, they've got their own idea of who God is. It makes them feel good to say, I love God and I'm going to heaven one day. That makes them feel good. It really does. Nobody wants to go to hell. Even the idiots out there, and I'm sorry that I say idiots, but even the people who are ignorant and they say, oh, I don't care if I go to hell. Nobody wants to burn forever, okay? They don't understand what they're saying. That's why I say they're, they're ignorant. They don't understand what they're saying. So whenever they say they love God and so many people say it, the Bible says you can check yourself on that statement there you do his will, if you follow his commandments, if you are obedient to his word, then you love him. That's what the Bible says. Bible says, whoever keeps my commandments, those are my disciples. Those are the ones who love me. Those are the ones who belong to me. So that's just a way we can check ourselves. And then, this is the the areas that we didn't get to last week. Um, Jesus told us to continue to abide in his love. And, And if somebody would turn to John... Chapter 15 I'll allow you to read If you'd like to read Christian you want to read? You want to come up here Read from uh, 9
1: verses Chapter 15 verses 9 through 17 um, no, Right? No, 9 through 17 There you go As a father loved me I also loved Abide in my love. If you keep my my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and aside in his
0: love. And abide in his love. Stop right there for one second. So he's saying, Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. He's telling you to abide in his love. What does that mean? Anybody? Stay. Stay in my love. As the Father loved me, I love you. Abide in my love. I love you. Stay, stay right here with me. Stay in my love. And then he goes on in verse 10 and says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he's telling you to abide in his love. He's telling you to stay in his love. And now he's going to tell you how to do it. Man, ain't, ain't, that's the best kind of teacher. So, oh, look, here's your homework assignment. This is how you do it. Now you go home. You ain't confused. You know what you got to do. You understand the instructions." Jesus says, Abide in my love. Here's how. Keep my commandments and you will abide in my love. And then he goes on and says, Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. So
1: it's a relational thing here. All right? In verse 11. All right. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your, that your joy may be full. Um, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no, no one than His, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Stop right there for a second.
0: This is the point we're going to talk about, so I don't want to touch on it too much. But hear this. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That, that just excites me. I had to repeat it. Verse
1: 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. you go. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what, it, what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things you, for all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. 16? You did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appoint, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give. In verse seventeen, these things I command. These things that command you, that you love one another. Thank you, brother.
0: Thank you very much, brother Christian. So the bullet point that I had here was he told us how to abide in love. He told us how to remain. All right? Keep his commandments. Is everybody clear on that? Everybody wants to be in relationship with God, right? Everybody wants to be pleasing to God, right? Everybody wants to have joy and abundantly. Everybody wants to experience Fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Everybody wants to be a reflection of Jesus Christ, right? Okay? Abide in Him. Well, how the heck do I do that? Keep His commandments. That's scriptural. That's what Jesus is telling His disciples to do. Alright? So He wanted us to love each other and Him. He told Peter what to do if he really loved Him. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. And this is an interesting, interesting um, part of scripture here. Because he's reiterating. Jesus is reiterating what's really important to him. How many people care about what's important to Jesus? All right. Right now, he's going to tell you what's important to him. Chapter 21, 15 through 17. 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? So he's asking this to Peter. Peter is the one that, you know, he's the rock. He's the one that when the soldiers came... To take Jesus, he cut off his ear. He's the one that, whenever he said, uh, when the when the when the when the water was all crazy and Jesus was out there in the water, he said, "Come." Peter got out in the boat and he started walking on water. All right, Peter was crazy. He's the one that was like, "No, you ain't washing my feet." And he's like, "Man, if I don't wash your but Jesus, if I don't wash your feet, then you're not of me." And he's like, "Here, wash my hands and my face too." All right, that's who, This is the Peter who we're talking about here, Simon Peter. And he tells him, he says, do you love me? So Peter, yeah, I love you, Jesus. Of course I love you. And he said, so Peter said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. So Jesus says, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my lambs. Okay? Jesus is the shepherd. His lambs are the followers. That's us. Feed feed my people is what Jesus is telling Peter. Verse 16. Then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? So here I can picture Peter. He's like, didn't you just ask me that? So he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, tend my sheep. Feed my followers. Feed the people who love me. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Tend my followers. Tend those who love me. Disciple them, train them, teach them my ways, teach them my my word. Tell them everything that I taught you. And then in verse 17, Jesus says, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now Peter's like, this is crazy. Peter says, the, the scripture says, Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? So Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know everything. You know that I love you. This is his response to Jesus and Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you think Jesus was trying to reiterate something here? You think he was trying to send a message across to Simon Peter? I think john was yeah because john was on exile and he i think john the was the only one to survive He wrote the revelation so survive
1: i oh, think oh, the reason why they're they're i say
0: don't no quote me yeah. because i i haven't yeah. never researched oh, yeah. it, but I think oh, it was my mom said she that does. peter uh,
1: was crucified yeah, he but he was hung upside down on the cross because he didn't want to die like
0: Jesus. exactly he didn't feel worthy enough to be crucified the same way that his lord was crucified so he said crucify me upside down who signed to peter Yo, Simon Peter was sold out for Jesus. Let me tell you, he reminds me of like a construction worker that was like really rugged and and tough and just kind of like didn't have a lot of common sense. But he was just like, you know, very bold and strong. That's what Peter reminds me of. I mean, I can just picture him in the garden, you know, and Jesus is like, I'm doing the will of the Father. He's already told them at the Last Supper that where I'm going, you can't come. He's washing their feet. He's telling them that his time has come, his hour has come. So Jesus is ready to be crucified. He knows what's about to happen. He's just like, let's get this over with. Father, you know, I'm commending myself to you. The hour has come. So he's coming and, you know, Judas comes up with the guards and they're ready to seize him. Peter's like, nah, you ain't taking my Savior. He cuts off the guy's ear. Jesus like, put your sword away. Those
1: who live by the sword, die with the
0: sword. Yeah, those who live by the sword, die with a sword. You know, I'm doing the will of my Father. So Peter, he's always, he always sticks out to me. He's just, he's very devoted. He's very loyal. Um, but Jesus is trying to get a point across to him. Yes, sir? Which
1: one's the one that I? Peter. Peter. <laughs>
0: That's what's so cool about it too, man, because whenever you, when you think about how imperfect you are, the things that go through your mind throughout a day, the things that you do that you know are not pleasing to God, and and you're remorseful about it, and it hurts you, and it makes you want to cry, and you're like, man, God, just please forgive me. Take this urge away from me. Take these desires away from me. Take this sinful heart away from me, and you're lamenting before God because you want to be closer to Him, and then you see the story of Peter, one of his faithful followers Saying, God, I will follow you to the day I die. And Jesus is like, man, before the rooster crows, you're going to die three times. And Peter's like, uh-uh. There ain't no way. And sure enough, he did it. He did it. I don't know him. I don't know him. Yeah. I don't know him. Out of fear. Yeah, and then he's just like, he's broken, you know? So it's comforting to me to know that Peter, who walked on water, who broke bread with Jesus, you know, who hung out with Jesus, who loved Jesus. You know, Jesus said, you know, oh, you, you are the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. You know, he, he denied him three times. He was imperfect too, man. I mean, it just, it's encouraging to me. But um, what, what Jesus is trying to get across, and he reiterated three times, like, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. He's trying to say, look, I care about my people. I care about my followers. Jesus told God, he said, you know, my desire is that I don't lose any of them that you give me. And he's telling Peter, look, because he knows he's leaving. He knows he's going to send the Spirit to give you power, but he's leaving. And his physical presence is leaving. And he's telling Peter, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed them, take care of them, nurture them, pour into their lives. Does it
1: say how old he was when he died? Who? Jesus. He was
0: 33. You know, I, I've never seen it in Scripture, but it doesn't mean it's not there. But it is; it has been said uh, he's thirty-three, is what I've always heard it to be. He's thirty-three years old.
1: Yeah,
0: but what about the I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've never researched it. I, I don't know. But God has no age. But He wanted us to love each other, and He wanted us to love Him, and it's clearly communicated in Scripture. And then the best part the best part is this the ultimate display of love now, I'm going to take you through some scriptures that are phenomenal and I hope they penetrate your heart I hope they stick with you I hope that you you know I, I hope that you write them on your heart you know I hope that you if you don't have a print, pen and paper I hope that you will get with me and just say you know I really want to memorize those scriptures I really want those scriptures to be a part of my life you know and, and, and um, I'm going to put these notes on the website But uh, I, I just hope they do something to you Jesus continually taught that living for ourselves Was not the way of God He taught this during his life here on earth Under his horrific display Of exactly what he was talking about Which was his crucifixion And uh, it, was, it was the will of the Father Not his own will that he wanted to do he laid down his life so that many would live. John, chapter 12, 23 and 24. Text says, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. What does that have to do with Jesus laying his life down? Jesus had to die in order for all of humanity to be in a position to have a fellowship with God. Okay? The analogy that he used was a grain of wheat falls into the ground and it dies. It remains alone. But whenever it dies, it produces much grain. It's like an apple seed, you know? An apple seed falls down. If a tree comes out of that apple seed, it's, it's not going to be alone anymore. You know, There's going to be much fruit that comes out of it. Jesus was saying, is His time has come. It's time for Him to go and do the will of the Father, which is to be crucified, so that many could live. Also, if we go to the text, John chapter 15 and verse 13. The word of the Lord says, Greater love has no one than this, which is the one that I read, that uh, Christian read, Then to lay down one's life for his friends. What does it mean to lay down your life? Does it mean that all of us should be crucified you know, for our friends and family? No, it doesn't. But it does mean this. It means you see that Coleman has homework and he's diligently trying in school. And you see that you know, he's really trying hard and, and he's doing his homework and he's running out of time but there's still some chores that he has to do and you say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do these chores because all you're doing is watching TV. You ain't doing nothing anyways. You're done with your homework, no big deal. But to help him out, you make a sacrifice, and you become a servant. And you say, look, and you don't do it wanting a re- You don't say, oh, hey, I'll go to, uh, do the dishes and, uh, and, and clean your room if you uh, give me 10 bucks. You know, there's no, hidden, there's no attachments to it. It's just I'm laying down my life. My life is to sit here and watch TV and continue playing this video game or whatever it is you're doing. But you're saying, look, man, I'm doing this for you. I know that you're trying. I'm helping you out. It's recognizing a need and fulfilling it and doing it out of love. Not doing it because you're expecting something in return. You understand? So, no greater love than this, than to lay down your life for your friends. Lay down your life, man. Be a servant. Surrender your will unto God. Love your neighbor's well. Feed his sheep. Tend his sheep. Feed his lambs. See, get close to God so that you can be a light into the world. Draw near to God so that God can use you to penetrate the hearts of humanity. People who are dying and don't recognize it. People who are gonna go to hell unless somebody like you comes and speaks into their life so that God can grant them repentance and they can have a clear understanding of what the gospel is. Romans chapter five, verse eight. Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. How many people want to know how God demonstrates his own love towards us? About three of us, five of us. Okay. Well, for those five, God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So whenever your friends say, oh, how do you know God loves you? I was a sinner going straight to hell and he still sent his son to die for me. If that ain't love, I don't know what is. When you have children, it'll become more real to you. But if it's real to you now, just think about it. I mean, we can all use common sense here. But I'm telling you, me picturing my son Isaiah or Caleb, and for going out to the people that hate my family, that have, you know, threatened my family, that have, you know, egged my house, you know, that have, you know, uh, slapped my little sister. On your, I got a little I idea. i slapped my little sister. On your, people that hate me. Alright? People that hate me. And I say, you know what? Isaiah, I'm sacrificing you so that they can live. No greater love than that. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Colossians 2, 13, 4 and 4, uh, chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. And the word of the Lord says, and you, and who? You. you. That's me. Us. You, me, me, you, you, me. Alright. Yes. And you being dead in your trespasses. What the heck does that mean? Anyone know what that I means? Your sin. You're sin. Yes. Your offenses. Yes. What are you trespassing, Carmina? God. <laughs> trespassing <laughs> God and his commandments. I, know, his I know, I've seen you. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> she was about to sneeze she's telling the truth um, but you being, being dead in your trespasses and while we were still sinners Christ died for the ungodly you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh Okay, he's talking, talking to the the, uh, the Hebrew people back then the children of Israel he has made alive together with him having forgiven you of all those trespasses verse 14 says having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us what is that? that having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us there's something to think about there right? the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul his commandments his commandments are against our very nature our very nature is what? to rebel against God So those handwriting of requirements that were wiped out, he wiped them out, cleaned the slate. And if you continue to read, it says, he is taking it out of the way. He has taken all of those requirements out of the way. And the next part is beautiful. Having nailed them to the cross. God knows that you cannot follow all of his commandments, that you cannot fulfill the law in totality. He's known that. But he took it all out of the way, nailing Jesus Christ to the cross. The Bible says that it pleased God for the sins of all of humanity to be upon his son whenever he was on the cross. Jesus did what he set out to do which was the will of the father. This kind of love will cover a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10:12 says Hatred stirs up strife but love covers all sin. And then if you go to 1 Peter chapter 4 in verse 8 he quotes Proverbs 10-12 and he says and above all things have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins Jesus wants us to love this is to conclude Jesus wants us to love one another he reiterated it to Peter he said feed my sheep do you love me tend my sheep do you love me feed my lamb Teach them, nurture them, show them my way. He told his disciples, "I'm showing you something here." And he washed their feet. He was showing them how loving your neighbor is so important that if Him, as the Lord, could humble Himself to wash someone's feet, which which was pretty dirty back then, that was a pretty pretty big sign of humility. Then you, as His followers, can love your neighbor well. And you can be a servant to them. Don't think you're above anyone or you're higher than anyone. Because love will cover a multitude of sins. It is your love for your brother and your sister that is going to draw them to Christ. That's what we want to do. Right? Not so that we can mark up our cast and say, I got one saved today. I got two saved today. I got three saved today. I got four saved today. How many do you say? One? I got five. God is the one that will change the heart of man. It ain't you. Now, he will use you. But it's important that we do it, not so that we can keep tally, but it's important that we do it so that people who are dying and going to hell might have an opportunity to be in fellowship with God. Are they not important? Did somebody talk to you? Did somebody share the gospel with you? Jesus commands us. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love me. Jesus demonstrated his love towards us dying for us while we were sinners. When you love people, their sins will be covered. Why? Because the inspired word of God says so. If you really, really, really want somebody to have a relationship with God, you love them according to the way the scriptures define love you love them well and you communicate the gospel to them caring about their eternal salvation more than you care about your well being and that's it